We're up to Mitzvah number 116, and we're just getting started in the book of Leviticus. Last time we did Mitzvah 115, which talked about the Ola, the elevation sacrifice, and now we're on to the next category of sacrifices. Mitzvah number 116, the Mincha sacrifice, the meal offering. And like the previous Mitzvah, that there are many different types of Ola offerings, Ola sacrifices. In this mitzvah as well, there are many different types of mincha or meal offerings and all kinds of different instances in which one would offer one. And in fact, there's a whole massive book in the Talmud, more than 100 pages of Talmud, which is a lot, called the Book of Menachos, which is dedicated to this subject. And today, we're not going to cover the whole Book of Talmud. In fact, in the yeshiva, people spend a year, even more, studying this book. We'll try to do it in 20, 30 minutes to get a little overview, to understand a little bit about this mitzvah. To give a little snapshot, a little short survey as we like to do. So the Sefer Chinuch tells us that there's a mitzvah to offer the mincha offering, the meal offering, as described in the Torah. Now what differentiates this from all other sacrifices is that this comes from flour and not from animals. Typically, you think of sacrifices, you think about animals, a, a bull, a ram, a sheep, a goat, things like that. But here we have a whole category of sacrifices. And we'll see there's like 12 or 13 different instances where you would bring one, or different categories of this general type of sacrifice. But this is brought from flour and not from animals. And the Sefer Chinuch, he's kind of puzzled at the beginning of his comment on this mitzvah. He says, we, we know the purpose of sacrifices. You bring a sacrifice, and it's an animal, and it's a living, breathing thing, just like you are. And it's got blood, just like you have. And when it's slaughtered, that's supposed to wake you up to realize that really you should have been slaughtered because you did a sin and you violated the will of God. And anyone who does, you know, a mutiny against any king really deserves to be killed. But if you mutiny, if you rebel against the king of all kings, all the more so, you have no justification to live. Yet the Almighty says, you know what, I'm going to allow you to place all your guilt upon this animal. And its blood will be like your blood, and its limbs will be like your limbs. And when it is offered, and it is sacrificed, you will repent, you will confess, and the death of the animal will atone for what really should have been your death. And it's supposed to be a very powerful experience for the person who brings the sacrifice. You're supposed to think about the fact that when a person sins, this is the words of the Sefer Chinuch, when a person sins... They're acting in an animalistic fashion. An animal has a body. An animal does not have a soul, or at least not a soul, the kind of souls that we have. An animal cannot overcome its instinct. It can have this higher intellect of logic and reason and and a spiritual drive and ambitions and dreams to say, I'm going to deny what my body wants. That's not feasible for animals. 
but it is feasible for us and it is expected of us. And therefore, when you bring a sacrifice, you're reminded of how you behaved in a way that's not really befitting of a human. You acted kind of like an animal. And our mission is to differentiate ourselves from animals and to embrace our humanity, our soul, our intellect, our higher reason, our ambitions. And when you sin, that really is an example of you slipping into your animalistic side. And we need to be reminded about that and coached and urged to try to not make that mistake again. That's animal sacrifices. That makes sense to us. It's hard for us to appreciate the value of animal sacrifices, of course, but at least in a philosophical concept, the notion makes sense. But what's the purpose? What's the message of non-animal sacrifices? What's the strong takeaway that we're supposed to draw that we're supposed to glean from non-animal sacrifices. This is the question that Sefer Chinuch is troubled with. And he concedes that even though the objective of all sacrifices is for us to advance in our spiritual agenda, to advance in trying to overcome our natural tendencies, to advance in our efforts to suppress the Yetzirah, but it doesn't quite pack the same punch as an animal sacrifice. And he speculates that that is why it's called a mincha. The word mincha means a tribute or a gift. But it seems to take the connotation of a, of a token gift, of a nominal gift, of something really small. The word mincha is like a gift that you give to your friend, but it's not something which is really life-changing. It's not groundbreaking. It's not supposed to be so memorable. It's a little tribute. And maybe he speculates, that's why it's called a mincha. It's not quite the same thing as an animal sacrifice. Alternatively, he says, the word mincha seems to imply a gift or a tribute in a voluntary fashion. And therefore, this category of sacrifices, because the majority of mincha sacrifices are voluntary, where a person chooses to bring such an offering, therefore it's called a mincha. But it's a question that he kind of dwells upon. What exactly is the message of the minchas? We'll talk more about that in just a little bit. Now, the Sefer Chinuch does a lot of work for us in organizing all the different types of mincha offerings, and he talks about how exactly they're brought and how they are processed. So he gives us a list of all the different types of minchos. However, it's not a comprehensive list because it's not including the various minchos that are brought as an accompaniment to another animal sacrifice. Sometimes when you bring an animal sacrifice, it comes with the animal sacrifice. You would also bring a meal offering. Think of it like a little side dish meal offering, and some wine libations. So many sacrifices come with those other accompaniments. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a sacrifice that is just a mincha. Here's the list. There are three communal mincha offerings. Number one, on the second day of Pesach, the community 
brings a mincha offering. That's an omer. An omer is at a certain amount. It's around 43.2 egg volumes. This is brought out of barley. And it's brought to the temple and it is waved. And that triggers a change in our laws regarding grain. Now, what this means is that every year when you have the new cycle of grain, that new cycle is prohibited to be consumed until the Omer offering is brought on the second day of Pesach. When we count the Sfiras HaOmer, we count the Omer 49 days between Pesach and Shavuos, it's really not from the first day of Pesach, it's from the second day of Pesach, from the day that we bring the Omer Mincha offering. It's brought out of barley, which is very unique. There's only two barley offerings. Barley is considered to be a lower level of a grain. It's considered to be almost like fodder for the animals. So it's very rare to find an offering brought out of barley. But this is the barley offering brought on the second day of Pesach. It's waved and it triggers a permission to now eat all the new grain of this year's cycle. So that's the first of the communal mincha offerings. Then you have on Shavuos, so 49 plus one days later, 50 days later, you have Shavuos. And on Shavuos, there's another mincha offering called the Shtei HaLechem, the two loaves of bread. This is brought not from barley, or barley flour, but from wheat flour. It too is waved. It's part of a process of how the coin processes it. Unlike all other mincha offerings, this is brought out of leavened bread. It's chametz. And of course, these are all mitzvahs on their own. We'll get to them in their due time. And this, so to speak, symbolizes this transition from Pesach, from the Exodus, till Shavuos, till we get the Torah. And it's almost mirroring the process of going from a barley-consuming entity to a flour, wheat flour-consuming entity. And that is the second communal mincha offering. By the way, all this is on the test. All this is on the test. You've got to know the details of all of this. That's a joke. The third communal Mincha offering is the lechem haponim, the showbreads, 12 loaves of bread that are placed on the table every Shabbos. And these three are the three communal mincha offerings. And then he gives us a list of nine individual mincha meal offerings. Number one, what's called a minchas chota, a mincha brought by a sinner. When someone does a sin, depending, of course, on the nature of the sin, many myriad details. But certain sins, they trigger a responsibility and obligation to bring a sacrifice. And certain sins, the sacrifice is variable. Depending upon how rich or poor someone is, that's the degree of the sacrifice that they would bring. So if you have a poor person, certain sacrifices, certain instances where they'd have to bring a sacrifice, they can bring not an animal, not even a bird, but flower offering. So this is the first category of individual meal offerings. And the commentaries note 
that there are a few differences in how the Torah presents this particular offering versus all other offerings. So first of all, it mentions Aaron, the high priest, you know, any coin to really process any sacrifice. But with respect to the poor, destitute poor person who all they have is just a little bit of flour, who processes it? Not just an ordinary coin, Aaron, the high priest, to show that when a poor person brings whatever, whatever little bit, whatever meager bit of flour they want to offer to Hashem, that too is treated with tremendous respect and dignity and value. And the verse also adds, it creates a satisfying aroma for Hashem. Don't think that because you have less financial wherewithal, you're not capable of bringing an offering to be processed by Aaron and to bestow, so to speak, a satisfying aroma for the Almighty. The commentaries also note that with respect to this particular sacrifice, the verse says, if a person's soul brings this sacrifice, this, when you have a poor person, a destitute person, and they take whatever little bit they have, and objectively, it's not so much. But nevertheless, they want to offer it to God. God says, I consider as it, I consider it as if you have given me your soul. And the commentaries also add that the minimum amount of such an offering matches the daily manna offering. And this symbolizes that a person's willing to give it all their daily food for Hashem. And that indicates, of course, a tremendous dedication and devotion and commitment. So that's the first of the nine individual mincha offerings. Then you have the minchas sota. A sota is a suspected adulteress, part of the process of the vetting or the inspection of the suspected adulteress is that she brings a minchas kinaos, as it's called, a certain mincha offering. This is the other kind of mincha offering that's brought out of barley. Then you have the what's called the minchas chinuch, which means the inauguration mincha. A kohen, on the first day that they are inaugurated to do work in the temple, they bring this special kind of offering called a minchas chinuch. Number four, you have the daily mincha offered by the high priest. And that's called minchas chavitin. This is 12 loaves split in half. And he offers 12 half loaves in the morning and 12 half and 12 half loaves in the afternoon. And then you have the variety of voluntary minchas offered by individuals. So first you have the minchas soles, which is a mincha of fine flour. And I did look at this book. I have a book over here called the Sefer Achinach, the Book of Mitzvos, published by Artstroll. And they have incredible footnotes and endnotes to help understand what's going on over here. So in each one of these various minchos, they explain how they're actually offered. So I want to quickly read it, just so at least at least once in our life we'll have this study of the various different types of meal offerings and how they are different. So the minchas solas, the fine flour offering, 
has three applications of oil. First, a portion of the load, which is a measurement, of oil is placed in an empty vessel, and then they add flour, and then some more of the oil, and then the flour is mixed in. It's placed in a sacred vessel, a klishares, and then the remainder of oil is poured over it, after which they add the lavona. Now, what's, what makes this particular mincha unique is that it's not baked or fried, even though all minchas are offered of fine flour, but this particular mincha is processed when it's still in its raw flour and oil mixture. And the Kohen takes a fistful of this concoction, places it upon the altar, and the rest of it is baked and consumed by the Kohanim. So that's the first of the voluntary minchas. And then you have the minchas macheves, which is, again, another voluntary mincha. And the way this is done, they start with some oil in a vessel, and they add some fine flour and some additional oil, and they mix them. And then it's kneaded with lukewarm water. And then it's fried as 10 unleavened loaves in a vessel called a machavas, which is like a griddle, a rimless pan. And afterwards, it's broken into pieces, and the remainder of the oil is poured upon it. So that's the minchas machavas, which is the sixth of the nine individual minchas. And then you have the minchas marcheshes, which is a deeper pan. It follows the same process as the previous one, just a different utensil. And then you have the minchas ma'afet tanur, which is baked in an oven, and it's made into loaves. And finally, you have the minchas ma'afet tanur, which is not baked into loaves, but into rikitin, which is like thinner wafers. And again, the details of this are so myriad. And again, we can spend a whole year legitimately studying it. I think that's not an exaggeration. A whole year we can study just all the different details and all the different insights and all the depths of these sacrifices. But just a quick survey. Now we know there are nine individual mincha offerings and there are three communal ones. And then, of course, there are the mincha offerings that are brought in tandem with animal sacrifices. Now we have a little bit of a picture of this whole section of Torah. And the Sefer Chinuch himself tells us that some of them are brought from wheat flour and some from barley flour and some are eaten by the Kohen. Besides for that fistful brought by the Kohen upon the temple, upon the, upon the altar, and some of them are burned in their entirety. And with the exception of one, all of them are unleavened. They're like matzah. The only exception is the shtehalechem, the two loaves that are brought on Shavuos. And even the ones that are brought on Shavuos are not offered upon the altar. And he gives us a very basic overview of how these are done. A person brings from their house in a metal vessel, could be a silver or gold. They bring some flour and they bring it to the temple. The only exception is the sota meal offering. It's brought in a wicker basket because there's a suspected adulteress over here. We don't want to have a very expensive vessel. 
And the Kohen brings it to the altar and takes a little fistful with their fingers and places it upon the altar, and the rest is eaten by the Kohen. But of course, the myriad details are found in the book of Talmud dedicated to this subject, and that is the book of Menachos. One quick note to end off. Rav Hirsch, when he talks about the Mincha, he notes that, you know, our sustenance, our bread and butter, our bread comes from flour. And oil, that represents our comfort. And satisfaction, that is represented by the Lavona, by the frankincense. So these kind of are three components of our lives. What we need as a basic level and what we need, so to speak, for our luxuriation. And when a person takes these things and they bring you as a tribute to the ruler, to the sovereign, to the king, that is a sign of subjugation, of submission to the king, and it shows that in every area of your life you are completely dependent upon the king, and of course, we're completely dependent upon Hashem, and that's why when you bring these sacrifices, these offerings, that's the message you're supposed to take away, that every aspect of your life, in every area, it's completely governed and overseen by the Almighty. May we all be so fortunate as to witness the Mincha offerings brought in the temple. May it be speedily rebuilt.